Welcome to Sexology, a podcast that untangles the science of sex and pleasure. And now, with this week's episode, your host, clinical psychologist, Dr. Nazanin Moali. Hello and welcome to episode 233 of Sexology Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Nazanin Moali. I hope you guys are having a great summer. I'm super excited because we just wrapped up the first cohort that took my course, Bedroom Fizzle and Sizzle, and I got so many great feedback and I'm so energized to implement all of the feedback and I'm so excited when I hear people's progress. Uh, One of the joy of doing this work is hearing that the content resonates with people. So thank you to all of our wonderful students that participated in the course. If you didn't get a chance to do the course this round and you are in a relationship, we will reopen it in fall, early fall. And just make sure you enter in your information for the waiting to get waiting listed. So you will get notified when the course becomes available. Every year in the month of June, we're focusing on men's sexual health because June is men's health month. We have tons of great interviews lined up for this month. We're going to talk about how to last longer in bed next episode. And then after that, we're going to talk about delayed ejaculation. I don't want you to miss the upcoming episode. So that's why I'm inviting you to subscribe to the show. So when we get the new episode downloaded, you will have access to it. Also to honor this month, I created a new checklist that focuses on tips and tricks on having a healthy rectal functioning during all stages of your life. No matter what age you are, it's important to invest in your sexual health. So if you are interested to improve your penis health, download the free checklist. The link is in the bio. Today, our guest is Dr. Jed Kaminsky. We're going to talk about the impact of testosterone on our brain, body, and behaviors. Then we're going to talk about how does environmental factors impact men's testosterone level. We're going to talk about effect of COVID-19 on testosterone levels. And we're going to talk also about that challenges that comes with enlarged prostate that which is a common experience that many men in the later stages of life that they have. And we're going to talk about tons of great tips on treatment and approaches that you can take to tackle the challenges that you might have around sexual health. As I mentioned, our guest is Dr. Jed Kaminsky. He's a urologist in New York City. Dr. Kaminsky has been practicing medicine for close to 40 years and is highly rated in treatments of number of different sexual health challenges for men. He's a board certified in urology and he's licensed in state of New York. His clinical research consists of co-authoring 41 peer-reviewed articles and participating in 11 clinical trials in the last 15 years. Without further ado, here's my conversation with Dr. Jed Kaminsky. Hello and welcome to another episode of Sexology Podcast. I am so excited and honored to have Dr. Jed Kamineski on our show. Dr. Kamineski, welcome to our show. Hi, nice to be here. Thanks for having me. I am very excited. We had this confidence boosting conversation before. <laughs> I was trying to make sure I'm getting your last name right. And uh, you said I have to work on my confidence. So. <laughs> 
I hope Perfect. I got it. Awesome. Perfect. Awesome. So thank you for being here. I've been following your Instagram account. You post lots of good information. And I get a lot of questions about men's sexual health and wellness. And I know that's that's the area that you do research on and you publish in this area. So many of our clients wanted to know, many of our listeners, they want to know more about the impact of testosterone. Can you tell us more about how does testosterone impact our brain, body, and behaviors? Yeah, so testosterone impacts, as you said, the whole body. There are androgen receptors. So testosterone is an androgen. It's uh, the male hormone throughout the body, in the brain, and in muscle, and fat. So people think of testosterone as a sex hormone. And it is. It's the male sex hormone, but it, it's much more than that. It gives men their vitality, muscle mass, focus, energy. So men who are low in testosterone are lack in those things. So they're tired, fatigued. So why do middle-aged men feel crummy? It's because in many cases, their testosterone decreases. You know, there are very interesting like studies, and of course, studies call in all form of like different levels of validity and the strength of like research design. But I looked at some research and I saw that there are some suggestions for supplements that they can help boost the testosterone. Is that a real thing? Well, most of the, the testosterone boosters, I think, are not really valid. The, the most important thing that a man wants to do to maintain a good testosterone level is sleep. So men's testosterone levels are highest in the morning. So you're making most of your testosterone at night when you're sleeping. A good healthy diet, uh, lots of fruits and vegetables, antioxidants, and staying lean. So testosterone gets broken down into estrogen in fat. So men with a, a big belly, more fatty tissue, less testosterone, more estrogen. So that's, that's not a recipe for a good sexual health or health for, for a man. So some of the risk factors for low testosterone, it's interesting, is type 2 diabetics. 50% of type 2 diabetics have low T. Sleep apnea. Almost 80% of patients with sleep apnea have low T. Opioid use. 90% of these patients have low T. And any chronic illness, any chronic disease, higher incidence of low T. And, you know, I, I love that you're talking about more kind of holistic way of ones boosting their testosterone. I feel we are in a, a world that people want to kind of want to find quick fix, kind of like just give me something that I can take and I, I, I want to feel better. But you're right. The last thing change happens when people really make changes in their lifestyle. Yeah. And, and in fact, if I give a man testosterone and we give men testosterone, every day, what I'm doing is I'm suppressing his body's own production of testosterone. So that impacts the pituitary gland in the brain, which stimulates testicles to make testosterone. So we're telling the pituitary gland to shut down. So I really prefer patients if there's any way we can get them to live a healthier lifestyle and avoid starting testosterone. I, we try to do that. Well, I know the question that I'm going to ask is going to be varied for person to a person, but perhaps if someone commits to changing their lifestyle with sleep, the diet, how early they can see some changes? Yeah, it, well, they're going to start feeling better, you know, right away, sleeping more and a healthy diet. So it may take a few months to really see a change in their testosterone levels, but they're going to, they're going to feel better, you know, sooner. And sometimes what we'll do to hasten it, 
I'll put them on a medicine like Clomid or HCG, which stimulate the pituitary gland to stimulate the testicles to make more testosterone. So rather than suppressing, we stimulate. I love that because sometimes people think, okay, the, the solution is that like for us to take testosterone, but you're saying that that long-term actually can ha- cause some challenges around the body producing its own testosterone. And not only does it, so the te- what do the testicles do? The testicles basically do two things. They uh, make it testosterone and they make sperm. So if I give someone, if somebody takes testosterone, they're going to decrease their sperm count and Mm. become infertile. So it's very important that anyone who's considering starting testosterone be aware that it's a really good form of birth control. (laughs) Is it reversible? Or like when when you lose that ability, it's not reversible? Well, it, it is some. It can be reversible, but it can also be irreversible. So, if people, so for example, bodybuilders who take very high levels of testosterone, their testicles can shrink or atrophy, and they may not. They what they usually do is cycle. They go on and off, and they'll take drugs like Clomid to reestablish that pituitary testicular relationship, but. It can be irreversible. Well, that's a good news, but it sounds like it's a dangerous territory and you start to kind of play that. Right. And you want to, you know, do it for the right reasons and do it under a doctor's care for sure. You know, one thing that was very interesting and fascinating, it seems like you you had some information about the effect of COVID-19 on testosterone levels. Can you tell us more about that? Yeah, so we're seeing a lot of younger men coming in with low testosterone and a lot of young men coming in with erectile dysfunction uh, during COVID. And if you think about it, if we, we earlier we mentioned some of the risk factors, sedentary lifestyle, poor sleep, lack of exercise. So, you know, so many men, men and women have gained you know, the COVID-10 or 15, and everybody's anxious. So what does anxiety do to your blood flow to the genitals? It clamps down on it. So anxiety increases the sympathetic nervous system, which clamps down on blood vessels. And to have an erection or become aroused, you need a dilation of blood vessels. So we're seeing a lot of low T and erectile dysfunction in younger men. Well, that that's completely kind of makes sense, right? That when we are stressed out, when we feel like, as you said, we're not active and people had so many different stressors, that that impacts our sexual health. And it seems like it's you've you've been seeing some challenges in your patients. Yeah, definitely. It's definitely and, uh, you know, people are living with their parents or parents have their kids moving back with them. It's, you know, not a very sexy environment past year, but I think hopefully we're coming out of it. And uh, next year is going to, everyone's going to have a lot of fun, I think. Yeah. You know, it's going to be a tricky situation because I feel like many people have anxiety around going back. And I think that can lead to performance anxiety, perhaps, or too much excitement. So I guess the jury is out on that one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, hopefully next year we won't be talking about all the STDs we're seeing. Well, <laughs> <laughs> that, that would be a good conversation. You know, one of the things that I hear from my older clients is that when they have some sexual performance issues, when they have enlarged prostate, is there a connection between that, the sexual performance and sexual functioning and enlarged prostates? Well, yes and no. Enlarged prostates occur in older men 
and older men have higher incidence of sexual dysfunction. So it may not be a cause and effect. We have done some studies and uh, looking, for example, at the use of daily Cialis. And daily Cialis helps men urinate and helps men with their erections. But it's also interesting that women who have an overactive bladder have a higher incidence of sexual difficulties. So there is some correlate. It may be physical. It also may be, you know, emotional, psychological. It's not very sexy to have to run to the bathroom and to be stressed about urgency. And when you're having sex, if you're going to have to go urinate or guys come back from the bathroom with a urine stain on the front of the pants, it's not very sexy for the woman. So there's a lot of factors, but it's the treatment for the prostate that really can impact sexual function. Can you tell us more about that? Yeah. So the first line treatments for BPH, well, let me first say enlarged prostate or is due to benign prostatic hypertrophy. So all men, as they get older, have enlargement of the prostate. Not all men have urinary problems. About 50% of men over the age of 50 will have some change in their urinary pattern. And by the age of 80, most men will have some symptoms, be it decreased flow, frequency, urgency, or getting up at night. So our first line of therapy typically is medicine. So there's two classes of medicine. One that relaxes the prostate, that's called the alpha blockers. So some examples are Flomax or Tamsulosin. And then there's another class called the 5-alpha reductase inhibitors. Common are Avidart, Proscar, Finasteride, Dutasteride, and those shrink the prostate. So they work differently, but they both have sexual side effects. That really inhibits treatment. So men are don't want to be treated for their prostate because they associate treatment with sexual side effects. So for example, the first line of therapy is medicines. So there's two classes of medicines that we use. There's the alpha blockers. So people may recognize some of the names, Tamsulosin or Flomax. And these drugs are very effective in improving urinary flow, but they can decrease ejaculation. So men might have still have erections. They might still have sensation of climax, but they have no ejaculate. So men, very disturbing. The other class of drug that we use is the 5-alpha reductase inhibitors. So those are Proscarp and Asteride, Avidart. Those shrink the prostate. Also very effective, but 5% or more patients will have sexual side effects, which may be erectile dysfunction, a decreased orgasm, decreased ejaculation, or decreased libido. So that's a real in- inhibitor to men to be treated for for their prostate. I think that's important to know because sometimes when we're taking medication, we don't know about the side effect of it, its impact on our sexual health functioning. You know, one thing that's I hear at times speaking of ejaculation that I have mixed feeling about is that some some practitioners they talk about dry orgasm for men and they's talking about it as a superior way of experiencing orgasm. And I have some kind of mixed emotion about that. What do you think about it? Well, I know there's a lot of uh, people who um, advocate tantric type of sex and uh, they talk about internal orgasms and uh, it's high, a higher plane of intimacy and uh, sexual being. But, you know, I think that's a 
small percentage of people and if people you know, want to practice sort of sex, that's great. But I think most men, for better or for worse, like uh, seeing a uh, labor or see some tangible, uh, you know, result of sex, <laughs> of sex. I don't know if the women agree, but but most men uh, uh, find that to be disturbing. So also some of the s- procedures that we do also have sexual side effects. So gold standard treatment, surgical treatment, is the, either the TERP, the old Roto-Rooter, where we scrape away the prostate, or a more contemporary version of that is the green light laser, where we use a laser to sort of core out the apple. If you consider the prostate an apple, we core it out, open up the urethra so there's can be a better flow. Both of those also cause decreased or retrograde ejaculation. So it's and that so that's a and a small incidence of erectile dysfunction. So that is also a big deterrent to many men. Uh, there are some newer treatments available, some minimally invasive office-based treatments that we can do without the use of general anesthesia. Get people off medicine, where we either inject steam into the prostate, which causes the prostate to shrink by about 30%. That's called Resume. There's a procedure called Urolift, where we put these permanent implants into the prostate that pull the tissue apart and sort of open up the channel. But a procedure that I'm most excited about now is called ITIN. ITIN was uh, approved by the FDA in last year in 2020. One of the few good things that happened in 2020. It's It's a device that was developed in Israel, and we did the clinical trials with it. So we have a lot of experience and we put, it's a temporary implant that we put into the prostate and we leave it in for five to seven days. And then the patient comes back and in the office and we take it out. And what it does is it uh, remodels the prostate and gives very close to surgical type with uh, no sexual side effects. Well, that's that's wonderful that there are non-invasive ways of kind of managing this this situation. And I can imagine going back to the you said that it's not a causation, which which is understandable. But also, I can imagine that if you're not, you don't need to wake up like a lot of times at during the bedtime at night. That can impact your how fresh you are and kind of fatigue. So that can also be useful. And it could affect your testosterone level if you're not sleeping at night. So yeah, the the symptoms are men find most annoying with due to a large prostate are getting up at night and urgency. So that feeling that you know where every bathroom in the city that you live in is is at and you feel like you always worried are you going to have an accident so that's really impacts the quality of people's lives well you do a lot of research a lot of studies in these areas so if someone is struggling with this this is something that they want to address what would be the would you recommend medication as a first line of treatment what what would you recommend as a first line of treatment well, it depends on the individual. Some people don't like to take medicines, and some people may have contraindications to medicine. And some people, if they maybe have stones in their bladder or 
for retaining urine or could be causing some blockage to the kidney. In those extreme cases, I say, yes, let's go right to a procedure. But if it's the run-of-the-mill patient that's having some urinary difficulty, yeah, I would try medicine because you could always stop the medicine, right? If, if it doesn't work, they don't like it, you can stop it. You can't undo a procedure. So I like to be start conservatively. And I think that's great because then whenever you go under anesthesia, there are some risks associated with that as well. So if people are a good fit for medication route, that, that, that sounds like a very good first round. Although you were talking about the inject, is it an injection that you said that you do in the office that shrinks the prostate? Is that an injection? Well, there's, there's three procedures that we do in the office, actually four. One of them is a clinical trial. So one is we inject steam into the prostate that all these procedures are very quick and done with local anesthesia. So that's, we inject the steam. One is we put permanent implants or clips in the prostate that pull the tissue apart. And the one that was approved this past year, which is the temporary implant that stays in for five to seven days is called ITIN. So, and then we're also doing at medical, uh, Manhattan Medical Research, a study for a very exciting new technology. And it's a special balloon dilation. So you inflate the balloon in the prostate and it opens up the channel and also remodels the prostate. That's fascinating. And it seems like there are, if people, that's something that they're interested, there are multiple different levels of care they can receive to address that. And with this kind of, for example, with the injection of the steam, is that something that they need to come back? Is it like a temporary thing or it requires coming back to get the injection in future? Well, we have five-year data. So we it's a, the procedure was approved approximately five years ago. So we, we looked at the results at, fi- at the five-year point and we had very good results. So relatively small number of patients had to go on to other procedures, be it surgery or even medicine. So, I mean, that's the goal of any of these procedures, to get patients off, improve their symptoms and get them off medicine. So we have five-year data on the STEAM procedure. But still, it's, if it's a five-year data, that's that's wonderful, meaning that I was thinking it could be a few months. And that's not to say if you have five-year data that at five years, it you know it's done. We Patients do well at five years. There's no reason to not expect them to do well for another five, if not longer. That's awesome. So what I'm hearing is, I think with this research, is that we know for within five years, we studied it. It doesn't sound like we know for a fact it's expiration data on it. So it's a more of a kind of seeing what happens after five years. So perhaps with more studies, we would know more about that. Right. And I think uh, another important thing is to, to emphasize is I'm sure a lot of people who are listening to us now are not prostate or penis owners, but uh, women. And, but they may live with or may uh, be friends with or married to or close with someone with a prostate. And they should, women are the sort of the gatekeepers. They push the men to go to get checked. So the women should, if, you're, if you see that your friend or partner is running to the bathroom more than he should, or even if he's not, he should every year come and get a prostate check and get his PSA check to make sure that he doesn't have a prostate cancer. 
Well, thank you for that invitation. And this this <laughs> episode goes live on the uh, June's, which is a men's health month. So I think that's oh. that's important to emphasize. Anything that you want our listeners to make sure that they're taking away from this episode before we close? Yeah, well, I think that uh, I think you know the that women have to be aware that you know that men have to be engaged in their health care. And if you are if men are having trouble out there, you know post. COVID, we talked in the beginning about the testosterone and ED. Don't get frustrated. Don't because that just increases the anxiety level. Go to a doctor, speak about your problem. And there's, you know, there's really good treatments if it's if it's a hormonal thing, uh, you know, hopefully the doctor will talk to you about lifestyle changes, talk to you about hormone testosterone stimulation or replacement. If you have ED, there's great drugs, Viagra, Levitra, Cialis, they're all, they're all generic, so inexpensive, they're safe. If you have premature ejaculation, talk to your doctor, there's treatments, so go to a therapist. So don't suffer silently. There's a lot of good stuff we can help people. I love that you emphasize that. And I tell people like sometimes when we're struggling sexually, we think we're defective, there's something wrong with us. But in reality, most of these issues are addressable. We, we have good evidence-based approaches to, to address them. So I know you're a wealth of great knowledge and, and I know many of our listeners perhaps are interested to know where can they get a hold of you. You, you have a practice, you, you do research. Tell us more about these places that they can contact you at. Sure. So we have our practice in, uh, in New York, in Manhattan, in Midtown. So now with COVID, we're we're doing virtual visits so we can help people anywhere. And our people can follow me on Instagram as Dr. Jed Kamenetsky, or our website is universityurology.com. So if anyone has any questions, they can DM me at uh, Dr. Jed Kamenetsky on Instagram. And I'm happy to help in any way I can. Awesome. Thank you so much for being generous with your information and coming on this show. And I bet our listeners, they learned a lot and hopefully we'll see you in near future back on the show. Great. Thanks for having me. I hope you guys enjoyed our conversation. I learned a lot from Dr. Kaminsky and his holistic approach when it comes to tackling many of the health challenges that men are experiencing. If you are struggling with any sorts of erectile functioning, I invite you to take an action today, whether it's going to see a sex therapist, whether you're going to talk to your urologist. I don't want you to wait because the longer you wait, it perhaps going to impact your self-esteem. A couple of weeks ago, I had the honor of starting working with a gentleman. He's in 70s. He shared with me all his life, he struggled with erectile functioning and how painful it was for him to go through life with those kind of experiencing that challenge and with making some adjustment. And it's not huge. Some tips and kind of interventions that we implicated. 
after incorporating few of the tips and suggestions, he was able to have direction that was satisfactory for him. And it was painful for him to see that he was waiting all these years on something that could be easily treated. So I don't want you to wait long. If if you're struggling now, make sure you're reaching out to a certified sex therapist or urologist to find the solution that you deserve today. If you're interested to download the worksheet, don't forget to click on the link in the show notes and I'll talk to you guys next Tuesday. Thanks for listening to Sexology Podcast. For more great content, visit www.sexologypodcast.com. Please be advised that information presented on this podcast is not a substitute for seeking help from a licensed mental health provider.